Good morning again. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we come before you in the grace of your Son. God, we come before you asking for your Spirit to move in us today, to awaken us, to open our eyes to truth. God, draw us near. We don't just want to know facts. We want to know you. So, God, give us joy as we learn this morning. Oh, God, help us to delight in who you are and use your word and use your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, I went to a wedding last night and I sat in on the very behind the back row, standing room only, to some dear uh, young folks whom we love. And, and there were ten couples that processed down the aisle. There was a mother, grandmother, and grandfather, a great-grandmother, great-grandfather. And, and, and after 15 people walked down the aisle and then flower people and ring bearers and, and, and the aisles are just constantly filled with people walking down and music playing. And then the back doors close. And that's when everybody stands up and does what? Turns around to look for the bride. Because that's the big moment. It's coming. That's the big moment. Oh, but that's, that's the best time to do what everybody's not doing. And so I turned around and said, no. I looked right down the aisle. And I looked right at Reese's face. And as the doors opened, Reese just began to weep. He couldn't hold it in. His, he just wept and his mouth quivered. And he had to wipe his face because that was his bride. And she was coming down the aisle for him. And so I just began to weep myself. She had come for him. She was there. And slowly she made her way down the aisle until she joined hands with him. And they joined lives together forever. Oh. It was so beautiful. This morning, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to, to open up to the book of Exodus. Um, we're not going to stay there long, but we are going to walk through some Old Testament scripture together. Um, if, if you're new with us this morning, we're walking through the Bible together. Uh, we are, uh, we're in Ezekiel right now, but uh, we haven't forgotten everything else we've learned. And, and we have a, a, a slide that shows a picture of our, our walk through the Bible. And, and the, the, the picture, the, the image that the Bible, the symbol that the Bible gives, we've broken down into four words. And that is creation, fall, redemption, kingdom. And, and 
today we'll, we'll take a step back from that and, and we're going to look at uh, how the book of Ezekiel begins. And it begins with a, a shot, a, a vision, a vignette of God's glory. And it's also, it's almost as if we're going back to the creation time in which God is creating all of these things. And we give this, this image of God speaking all things into creation. And as he speaks, these things come to fruition. And the beauty and majesty of waterfalls. And the color begins to come to the sky. And and. Trees from out of nowhere form. We have this beautiful view of God and His majesty and His glory making everything. And, and for a season, that's, it's all great until the fall happens. And mankind, God's crowning portion of creation has been severed from right relationship with God. God is holy. God is otherworldly. And that relationship is immediately broken. And there's a need for reconciliation unto God. Fast forward now to the book of, of Exodus. And Moses is one of those people appointed by God to, to help bring about the reconciliation or the mediation, if you will, to mediate between the people of Israel and their God. And Moses is following, and Moses is so frustrated with the people who continue to rebel against God. And Moses has this, this conversation with God in chapter 33. The fall happened in what chapter? Genesis what? Genesis 3. This conversation is Exodus 33. And Moses makes this request of God. What does he say, church? Please show me your glory. All right. What is he asking? I asked my family, I've asked some friends this week, can you define the glory of God? What, what is Moses really asking for here? What is the glory of God? If you were to pray, hey, God, show me your glory, what would you be asking God to do? Have you ever thought the, the Bible talks about glory, God's glory over and over and over? What is it? Put it into words if you can. I know y'all are waiting for me to do that for you, but I don't want you to do that. I want you to think, okay, if I'm to define what God's glory is, what is it? It's everything. 
I asked my family this week, and, and Ash gave me this word. I love this word, Ash. The radiance of God. Radiance. How many of y'all saw the moon Wednesday night? Belinda sent me a picture. Anybody see the moon Wednesday night? It was, a, it was the closest that the moon would be, or closest blue moon we would have for 20 years or something, right? Is that right? Something. 2037. The moon, if you saw it coming over the horizon, and I saw it on the way home from church, bright, beaming would be a word we would use to, des- to describe that, right? G- the glory of the moon we saw. The radiance of the moon. In Hebrew, the word for glory is, is akin to the word weight. Weight. Weightiness. Heaviness. Does that help? The heaviness of God. If you tried to bear yourself under who God is, you would be crushed under the weight of who He is. His everythingness. Maybe you think of the sun when you think of glory, something glorious. Did you know that even when the moon completely blacks out the sun, or or nearly completely blacks out the sun, your retinas will still be singed because of the glory of the sun. Even hidden by the moon, it will permanently blind you. That is glory. And that's just the beginning. Because the God we know, the Bible says he flung the stars out from his fingertips of his hands. Grasp this for a moment. What we can't even look at came from the fingertips of a greater and creative God. So Moses comes and says, show me your glory. What a joke. Moses comes before God and says, show me your glory. Is this a death wish, Moses? Is this, what are you asking? So here's my working definition. It's it's in progress, but this is my working definition of glory. It's just mine. Reading, studying, putting a lot of things together. Here it is. You can take it or leave it. The revealed goodness and greatness of God. I'm sure somebody has a better definition, but this is the one I have. The revealed goodness and greatness of God. And let me tell you why I have that definition. And it comes from the verses immediately after Exodus 33, 18. In fact, let's read verse 19. And the Lord responded to Moses and said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will be show mercy on whom I will show mercy. 
Lord, show me your glory. And he describes with, I'm going to let all of my what? Go back to verse. Yeah, that's it. You see it? I will let all my what? Goodness. So I thought, well, if God's glory has to be defined, it's got to include his goodness. But it's also not just goodness. It's it's greatness because of this weight and this majesty and the radiance that he has. Notice, notice what he tells Moses. You want to see my glory? I do what I want to do. But everything I do is good. Do y'all see that in the text? I do what I want to do. I'm going to have mercy on the ones I want to have mercy on. I'm going to have compassion on the ones I'm going to have compassion on. But it's good. In our day and age, we do far too little time reflecting on glory. We will be satisfied with a good meal, an entertaining book, or scrolling up on our cell phone. We do far little time basking in the glory of who God is. And the Bible does just the opposite. It spends much and many words describing the glory of God. All right. There are two things that, that in ways we describe glory. One is that you give glory to something. We glorify something. We tend to give credit to things. And the news yesterday, if you saw, if you follow any sort of college football, was Deion Sanders came back and he won his first head coach, his first football game. And oh, the news loved it. They loved Coach Prime. He's coming back. He's changing football. He's changing coaching. They loved to glorify him. That's one sense of glorifying. The Bible speaks of this in a greater way. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, says 1 Chronicles 16. It's something we give to God. You and I do it this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We will sing that on our way out. Praise God. He is glorious. We want to give him glory. But. But it's not just something we give. In fact, it's not really something we give. In glorifying God, we're not giving God anything. In reality, we're just showing who God is. <laughs> right? I mean, what can I give to the God who is everything? Glory is something that is, and I'm just calling attention to it. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? I'm not, I can't make God any more glorious than he is. I'm just showing you who he is by reading what he's given to us. So, so God's glory is just something that is. And you and I are just recognizing Right? Right? Maybe we think of it like this. Isaiah chapter 6. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. Where was he seated? On a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This was this glorious, long robe that he had. And above him, he was surrounded by seraphim. And each had six wings. With two, he covered his face because they were in the glory of God. With two, he covered his feet because they were in the glory of God. With two, he flew around and served the glorious God. And look at verse 3. One called to another. And he said, you look nice today, seraphim. And the other one said, I know I do. No, that's not what happened, was it? And one called to another. And what did they say, church? Help me out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. They didn't want to talk about each other. They wanted to talk about what mattered. And that was the holy, holy, holy God. To the superlative, to the most superlative degree. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is what, church? Help me out. It's full of his glory. And how did the, the temple respond to the glory of God? Have you noticed this in this passage? How did the temple respond to the glory of God? The foundations of the thresholds shook. At the voice who called, the house was filled with smoke. And how did Isaiah respond to the holy, holy God? He fell on his face and cried out, woe is me, I am undone. When you see the glory of God, you have no other response but to fall on your face and hide yourself as best as you can. R.C. Sproul said it like this. A holy God is terrifying to an unholy man. The glory of God is terrifying to behold. Or maybe... Maybe you think of the glory of God like Moses saw it in Exodus 24. Let me read this one to you. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cover and the cloud covered the mountain. The, the glory. You see it there? The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called out to Moses in the midst of the cloud. Now, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain. Like a what? Help me out, church. Like a what? Devouring fire is the glory of God. Or maybe you think of it like Korah saw it. Korah rebelled against Moses in Numbers. We read the story. Then Korah assembled all the congregation against them. The entrance of the tent of meeting and the what? The glory of the Lord appeared to the congregation. And watch this. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves. You better get out of here. The glory of God is here. I may consume them in a moment. And he does. 
Or maybe you think of the glory of God like like Solomon saw it. And when Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering, the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down to their faces to the ground on the pavement. And they did what, church? They worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord and said, give thanks to God. His said endures forever. Devouring fire, bright, terrifying glory of God. So now we get to Ezekiel. Welcome to Ezekiel. And the first chapter, it begins with a picture of the glory of God. The glory of God, I might add, on a throne being escorted around by his servants and the the cherubim under him. Verse Verse 26, and above the expanse over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of a throne was the likeness of a human appearance and above from and upward from what had Had the appearance of his waist, I saw like gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from the waist, I saw the appearance of fire, and there was brightness all around. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around the Lord. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. The glory of God. On the way to church this morning, I I had a moment of of panic. (laughs) Fear, really. Disappointment. I had a moment where of regret. And that regret was that I have not properly communicated to my family the glory of God. I've spent far too little time communicating to the ones that I love the most. The glory of God. The Bible is very clear who God is. And Christian, if you do not take a, a regular moment to, to close your eyes, to bow your head, and to worship God and His glory, I believe we are missing what we've been called to do. 
Bible is very clear throughout the Psalms, throughout the New Testament, to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And church, how many of us come in here in this room casually to watch other people worship? How many of us walk in this room just to stand until the worship finishes? What are we doing? The God who made heaven and earth and all that fill it is here to listen to us. And we come and we casually sing if we feel like it. And we casually listen until the 40 minutes are over. What are we doing? We're in the presence of God for an appointed time of the worship of the glorious one who like fire consumes and whose great love has poured out and given us his son. And it is casual for us. God is glorious. God is radiant. And his glory is that which he reveals to us in a good and great way. Christian, do you pray something like that? God, show me your glory. And and I say, Moses, was that a joke? And then you go back and you say, Maybe Moses got it more than any of us do. He actually wanted to draw near to God. And in our casual, cavalier attitude, we're waiting for lunch. Why did Ezekiel see the glory of God mounted on a chariot? We talked about this Thursday night because God's glory left the temple that day. He left the temple to follow his people. To go and find his people who had been brought to Babylon. The land of confusion, which we talked about last week. The Lord packed up his his good and great presence. And he he rolled out to the nation of Babylon and there went to dwell with the faithful ones who loved him. And when the people, when the 70 years were finished and they were drawn back to their land of Israel, he carted back up and rolled back into Israel. Look in Ezekiel 43. 1 through 5, and and you can see this, and you may want to make a note of this. He comes back, and I want to read this passage because it's important. His people go off in exile in punishment and in judgment for what they've done. But his faithful ones, the remnant, come back to Israel, back to the temple that was destroyed. And, And he sees this vision, mind you. And let me read it to you. Ezekiel sees this. Hear it, church. Then they led me to the gate 
These ones who were escorting him around in his vision. And facing the east gate. So he's facing the east gate. He's looking east toward Babylon. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was coming back from the east. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of roaring waters. And the earth shone with his glory. Let me read that again. And what happened? The earth shone with his glory. And the vision I saw was just like the vision I had seen when his glory left to go. Verse 4. As the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing east, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, the place of His true presence. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The Lord brought His people back to worship and to dwell with them. Now, the temple was gone. It was no more. But God was back there, ready for his people to worship in this vision to Ezekiel. Now, let me read you one more passage from Haggai. And then we're jumping to, to, to uh, uh, the fulfillment of all this. What does all this mean? Haggai chapter 2 says this. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet, yet once more and a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. The silver, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house This rebuilt house, if you know anything about Haggai, they're rebuilding the temple, and it is a shabby reflection of the original temple. And with this makeshift temple that they're using now, the Lord says the glory in this house will be greater than Solomon's temple, which was arrayed in every splendor that it could be. This was a temple that was rebuilt by none other than Herod. King Herod, before Jesus' day, just before Jesus' day. So here's the question I want to ask you. What is the Bible saying here? If God's glory is dwelling in this temple and he's there for worship, but the temple is, is it's not much. How can the glory in this new temple be greater than the glory in the splendid temple of Solomon? How can this be? He he said it. The glory will be greater. How can it be? You got to figure it out yet? I think Ethan read it earlier. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
who were born not of the will of flesh, nor of blood, or the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but they were born of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His what? We have now seen His glory. It wasn't Solomon's temple, and it wasn't Nehemiah's temple. Where was God's glory manifested? Glory that is the only glory from the Son of the Father. Where is this revelation of glory and where does it come from? It comes in the person, not a building, but a person of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me draw this in together for you. The glory of God that is fire-filled glory. That is weighty glory. That is sovereign and does what he wants to do. Glory. That glory showed up in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Apostle Paul says it like this. He has shown into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? God's glory. All of that fire and weight and sovereign goodness is wrapped up in the face of Jesus Christ. Hey, Christian, how many of y'all have seen Jesus? Have you seen him? Is he walking around? Hey, Christian, how many of you have seen the face of Jesus Christ? Confused? We don't see Jesus with these eyes, do we? We see him with spiritual eyes. So let me ask you the question again. How many of you have seen the face of Jesus Christ? The glory of God, all of his goodness revealed to us in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christian, if your eyes have been opened, you know exactly what I am talking about. So what do we do? Oh, there's so much more to even talk about. What do we do? Jesus Christ is... Let me read one more passage for you from Hebrews. And then we're going to get to some application. The author of Hebrews said this. Ah, this is good. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his... Help me out. By his son. Whom he appointed to be the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And watch this phrase. Y'all ready? He is the what? The radiance of the glory of God. You don't have to go to a mountain. You just go to the word of God and you read. And you see the life of Jesus. So, so Christian, read the Bible. And you will see who Jesus is. The Gospels walk through his life. You want to see the glory of God? You don't need to see fire. You need to see spiritual fire. And that is in Jesus Christ, the Lord. And what did Jesus do? Jesus Christ died on the cross to bear the sin of all who believe in him. And make them right in the eyes of God. 
The Genesis 3 curse that was laid upon all humanity is, is paid in full by the death of the radiant Jesus Christ. We say in this church every week, and I will say it again this week, Jesus saves sinners that repent. And only he can bear the wrath of God in the way that he did on that cross. Only Jesus was worthy enough to be the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. And only Jesus is strong enough to be the Lion to defeat all of the enemy's power. He is the Lion. And he is the Lamb. He is the glory of God. Do you know him? Have you seen with your spiritual eyes the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? So here's your application. Here it is. God's glory is not meant to be hidden. God did not hide his glory from us and that he gave us the planets and even the James Webb telescope sticks can't see all of the glory of God. He put it on display. The Bible says, surely the heavens declare the what? Glory of God. The heavens declare it. God declared it. He wants us to declare it as well. And he's given us his word and he's given us a mouth. And he's given us hands and feet to serve others in Jesus' name. Share the glory. Share the glory. Paul said, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. Even as simple, as mundane as eating and drinking, glorify God as you eat and drink. Share the glory. What else is your application? When Jesus took his, his followers, the week he was going to die, they're walking out of the temple that Jesus went in the courts of the temple. He walks out of the temple courts. And they say, look how beautiful this temple is. Can you believe it? Oh, it's so beautiful. Temple. And Jesus looks at him and says, Every stone of this temple you're looking at will be laid upon another. And he turned to them. He, he cursed those who were the temple keepers. Woe to you, woe to you. You focus on a building when the glory of God is standing right in front of you. So church, don't, don't focus on, on temples. Y'all saying, I don't have a temple. What do you mean? Don't focus on things that are religious in nature, but miss Jesus. Don't walk into church thinking I'm just coming to church to sing or to sit and learn my class. If we come to church with a, a passion to praise the name of Jesus with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, somebody. 
We come to our class on Wednesday night to learn the scripture that we might know God. He is glorious. And finally, take some time to read the Bible, to pray, to point your nose at the dirt. And humble yourself before a glorious and holy God. When is the last time your face was on the floor before a holy God? Really? We do a whole lot of stuff. We have a whole lot of fun. We entertain ourselves a whole lot. But when's the last time your face was on the floor? Because you knew the glory of God was worthy of nothing but the top of your head. Let's pray together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. So God, before you, we humble ourselves. God, we say holy, holy, holy. May the name of Jesus be proclaimed from our lips. And may we know you for who you are. May every decision in our lives, Lord, be because we are serving a holy God. Help us in this endeavor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.